Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of Purple Hyacinth Podcast. Rough reminder. Already sad, okay? <laughs> and we're here with Fu and Neff. Hello. Hello. Okay, take it away, Neff. Um, <laughs> okay, so the first panel we see is um, of a torch in a dimly lit stone hallway and we see a person with a mask and and a cloak and we find out that it's apostle four who's in charge of assassinations and espionage which is very interesting because thus far we didn't like i'm not sure maybe maybe i forgot this but i wasn't sure if um it was already confirmed that the apostles were in charge of certain duties um maybe they uh, were i believe that I believe it was confirmed that each apostle has their own domain, but I don't think we knew exactly what it was. Mm. Um, for Apostle 4, this does make sense, as I believe it was messenger number 4 that Kieran was reporting back to in, like, episode 5 and some of the earlier chapters. Oh, that's a good catch. And he's the spy, so yeah. right now, at least. So... We see um, Apostle Ford um, enter a room and he says, this is the fourth reporting in. Here, the spy reports on the seventh weapons operation. Another undeclared nitroglycerin import arrived successfully yesterday. Lloyd and Flemings ensured it's transferred to their usual hideout. They're only waiting on one more, this 14th. They'll likely launch their little insurrection soon after. Ha ha ha. Did the seventh really think we wouldn't notice? The traitors are falling like flies even within their own ranks. And we'll some... the next part. Can we I wanted to stop here for a sec before we go to the next because uh-huh. that's like a new person. Um this whole setting is so ominous. I mean, and like the gray stones, the torches, the it looks like this castle, it's medieval, they're their costumes. I mean, everything about them is made to amplify the effect of anonymity and also secrecy and kind of like threat mm-hmm. with that. It, it feels like a dungeon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like some I, sort of medieval dungeon. I think that because of the torch, there might have, um, I feel like it'd be in of a complex underground base because we found out in the previous episode that um, a lot of what goes on within the Phantom Scythe is literally underground. I'm so. not sure. Hmm? I know there was this theory that we had on the Discord called the Tunnel Theory, and it was basically this theory that there are sprawling tunnels underneath our tallest, and that's how the Phantom Scythe moves around. Because, like, the messenger, yeah. he just disappeared. And so people were like, you know, what if there's underground tunnels? And um, I thought that if, in the case that this theory was true, the 
bombs would all be hidden underground and they would go off underground as well and i believe what um neff yeah uh, i think you were saying this how kieran said at one point that uh the phantom scythe works underground and at first we thought that it meant it's supposed to i believe in that scene it's supposed to mean that like the criminal underground so like not necessarily actually like under underground but like you know the oh, black I market took it literally. but i do think that it was foreshadowing for the literal that there was something actually happening under underground you know, mm-hmm. what's interesting who um i also took out the two batman books the killing joke and the the man who laughs and the man who laughs the batman joke that's kind of what happens basically that jo- the the joker gets these maps of the underground and the sewage and he plans on poisoning the whole city through the sewage system so and it's and he takes maps of like the underground tunnels so oh i i haven't read that one so that's that's interesting <laughs> um yeah so i was thinking that the bombs would go off underground and then the city would literally just collapse in on itself maybe and then a while back i also was like hey you know how like artalis is next to the ocean what if artalis flooded so mm-hmm. what if like it just beca- it because the bombs went off and the city collapses it goes below sea level which allows the ocean to come in and do you know what is right next to the ocean the royal palace <laughs> Yeah, I think that theory makes perfect sense. And they just want to take the whole city down with them. So like at this point, they feel like they're just destructive. I don't really care. That, that could also kind of explain why a foreign nation would even assist the fandom side in the first place. Because politically, you know, you take down the world, you take down the, the country itself, you can salvage what's left of it. I, I don't think that I feel like they're getting the nitroglycerin from um, like a private black market individual. I don't feel like it's above ground, like uh, explicitly with the permission of whatever country they're getting it from, because these kinds of things seem like they're always underground. Yeah, there is I was a- wondering if it would be um, under it's still underground, but still um, like a foreign black market contact. That's the vibe I got from that but again uh, I could be wrong there was this amazing theory from the discord from the other day I believe it was Savage who created it and their theory is just amazing I love it to death but basically in their theory Lizbeth is still technically Phantom Scythe however she is from a foreign nation and she married into the Artalis royal family with the purpose of weakening Artalis in the, okay. the Artalis government by getting the people to turn against the government by enacting policies mm-hmm. that would alienate um, the lower class. Wow, that is a and long so, game. <laughs> uh-huh. It is a very long game. I mean, she had a kid for this. <laughs> <laughs> so this um, kind of relates to what I read in The Man Who Laughs. So mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> yeah, so basically, since, um, since we know that Philip is a puppet leader, so like he's technically being puppeted by Elizabeth. Elizabeth will eventually gain enough control over Atollis to allow the PS to come in and weaken the government or just completely take it out. And then the other government, the foreign nation government, will come in and sweep out the PS and take control over Atollis. Great theory. And Elizabeth will, Elizabeth will still remain on top, but now with her true allies. Okay, so we totally have to discuss the night last after you read it because there's what to discuss here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to read it soon. 
Yeah, one other thing that struck me as weird was that um, the masks had their name, their uh, things mm -hmm. of their identifier. Also, we know that um, only four of the apostles are original and know who the leader is, right? The rest don't know. So I was first I was wondering, like, okay, what's the need for pretense with these masks, right? Because besides for obviously for us as readers, right? But to hide their identity from us, but I was like, okay, if they know each other, why do they have to be all showy with these masks? And I realized that Apostle Four may not be one of the originals, so he may, so the, the non-originals don't even know the leader, right? Mm -hmm. So do we, and we don't know who, which one of the seven remaining apostles are the originals, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think the only confirmation we have is that number seven is an original. Also, I can't believe I did not mention this before, but when I saw that first panel of the apostle, I literally screamed. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, this, yeah. this could not be happening. <laughs> I was what we were seeing them in person like we yes. didn't know their identities of course but like you know we got confirmation that they existed what they were doing right there's no speculation we get to actually see what they're doing right now and that was like oh my god and then you know later on in this scene we get that person and it's like my yeah. brain literally broke. <laughs> I yeah. could not speak. I was just in shock. I'm still, I still can't process it that like Soph and F would pull something like this. For me, what feels so early on in this story, even though it's like right? episode 91. <laughs> we have so much to discuss there. Neff, if you're, if we're done with this, you want to continue? Sure. Sorry, Neff. So don't worry about it. So then we see a long panel and a hooded man with a gold chain um but he says person. i'm still oh, i'm still on the on the possibly female you're side right there. you're right and they say and what of the purple hyacinth it seems like um apostle four's reaction here he perks up we can't really tell with the mask um he said so Apostle Force says, he's been lazing around that police station for weeks. Still hasn't sent any news concerning Loon. Only his usual reports on the precinct. Which is very odd. You'd think that he'd at least start to put in at least like some breadcrumbs there. But maybe he, I mean, then again, how the original mission letter said that he had to be fast about it. But how fast can you be when you're that deep undercover? That's why I was wondering, um, one of my older theories was that um, the Phantom Scythe was setting him up because they were already suspicious of him. So it could either be another lesson or um, a tactic for taking him down either way. Maybe. I have, I have something, yeah. it's, sorry, it's not really related to your observation, but I just noticed it right now. Um, so, this panel that we see where he's been lazing around that police station for weeks it's a very interesting panel it's a very wide room uh who we assume to be the leader is looking at blueprints of some kind um it if i zoom in on them it kind of looks like a bit of a bunker but i'm not entirely sure the other night i thought it was like uh this that might be like a machine that was like what i first thought of when i saw them but um because of how boxy it is i'd rather assume it's some sort of physical structure that like one can exist inside of and then 
but I just noticed this. If you look at the table, there are 14 chairs. I was just counting the chairs. Oh. Yeah. And there's one special chair, which we assume is for the leader. And then there's 13 others. So for 13 like apostles. Aren't there? There's like six on one side and five on the other, though. Really? Yeah. I only count no, five there's on the six other. on each side. Mm. Where? Oh, oh, okay. That's because the backs, I was counting the backs. The backs are kind of like two oh, of them yeah. together. Yeah. Okay. Oh, one side is really hard to see. <laughs> But yeah, so there's 14 chairs and, you know, originally there were 14 people. So that does make me wonder, have Rachel and Alexander been in here before? And do you think that maybe they left some clues on how to find this location? Gosh. Wow. It's also interesting. There's two um, dossiers on the table. So it seems like someone was there before. Mm -hmm. There's one by the leader's chair as well. So the leader was probably getting briefed. Yeah. And somebody pointed out that he has his own murder board. Besides for the map, you know, there's yeah. not a murder board on the side. Which is <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> Pam, Lauren, Curious, everyone here has a murder board. You get a murder board, you'll get a murder board. <laughs> the Alexander is the leader theory is only an intense thing right now. Like father, <laughs> like daughter. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking how similar it was to Lauren, who spends so much time brooding over her board. Gosh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to like read the, the letters of the map, but to no avail. <laughs> so it's like can on top, but like zoo, I don't know. <laughs> Decipher anything. But I find it interesting that they left all those chairs. I feel like it, it kind of fits in with the character of the, of the leader who seems to be very vindictive, you know, and bitter. You can't let go of the past, which if you're thinking like father, like daughter, Lauren also can't let go of the past. And they just kept those chairs there. Like, you killed my people, or no, he, he killed them. I'm sorry. He killed them. Yeah. Was, oh or they, were, or they like, killed themselves. Oh my God. Imagine if the leader actually is Alexander and he keeps his wife chair, even though like he was responsible for his wife's death. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh That's my a special God. level. Of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking a little bit on the leader's character based on an upcoming panel. So when we get to that, um, yeah. Okay, so the leader turns around and the panel of those eyes of, of, of them is very ominous, but I can't help but notice the gold chain I, because so many things about the Phantom Side don't add up, but the little added jewelry and the fact that nobility, even nobility close to the monarchy who the Phantom Side is opposing are related to it, it seems like there's something very um, deep, very much like a civil war is brewing or has been brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the le- oh yeah, no, it's just hilarious because hilariously hypocritical and ironical because those gold chains are like what yeah nobility people wear a leader wears someone who's special and like oh I thought we were all equal right doesn't someone say that before in, in right. the bar right They're like I thought we were all equal why is it why are they learning it up and like he's like I'm a leader I get to wear gold chains you were fabulous <laughs> <for playing cloaks." laughs> I have to say the leader in this scene he looks like a bit of a ghost right that's what I was thinking of when I saw like the black and then the white eyes it's like an inverted ghost because when you think of a ghost you think of like you know, the white, it's very cold, and then there's the dark black eyes. But here it's sort of a bit inverted. And so that's what I thought. Totally, by the way, I feel like there's that whole imagery for him. 
and him her because I my theory is also that it's like Elizabeth or something but um even though yes we know like you know there's people as Alexander and Rachel said him and they know who he is but anyway just so fine but I feel like it's to show us like in a way the leader is dead um and I I feel like that's what it that sort of brings out whether he's dead because his previous identity it's kind of a little bit of like I, I never watched Star Wars but I know the theme and Darth Vader right he was like reinvented he was originally good and mm-hmm. he had noble intentions but then he somehow became bad and I didn't watch this I don't know exactly how it happened but then his whole identity he's in this mask he's you know not like the same person he was and I feel like it really reminds me of that that whoever he used to be is not that anymore and he's become so perverted and twisted and evil and he's like tripped over, over his own ideals and it's so far behind him and now he's a totally different person and he's kind of like a dead man walking around mm-hmm. that's uh, the impression that I get of his his imagery you know it's funny oh sorry are you gonna I found it very interesting that you mentioned the leader um it really does seem like from the snapdragon to the phantom side that radicalization period maybe the leader isn't the same so maybe what you're saying about um the gender switch maybe maybe it's an entirely different person who because of what happened to the snapdragon um rather than them having a personality switch due to and and being a lot more um radicalized and vindictive they're um it's just another person who wants to completely prevent that from ever happening again that would be a twist yeah so what i want to say is that mindy you brought up star wars and um I'm not sure how well known this is, but I really like Star Wars. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite franchises, but I just want to say that the scene where uh, Darth Vader goes from, where he goes from his human self of Anakin Skywalker, where he gets the mask put on in episode three, that scene signifies rebirth for him, like mm-hmm. death and rebirth, because he, he, he himself is dying like Anakin Skywalker is dying and he is being reborn as Darth Vader who at this point is more machine than man so interesting parallels like I think Neff also brought it up there was definitely some sort of rebirth here mm-hmm. yeah their costumes look very similar to me as well and I just oh yeah I forgot to say I, I couldn't <laughs> put my finger on it on what the leader was reminding me of but I think it might have been the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the leader kind of looks the most like the Phantom Scythe logo like yeah. this is the most similar we've seen to the Phantom Scythe logo yes. the Phantom Scythe logo oh has a scythe and it has the hood and so it kind of looks like the Grim Reaper so you know maybe <laughs> yeah no that's perfect uh, yeah that makes so much sense huh. it's like I can't believe the Phantom Scythe pulled like a can Kentucky Fried Chicken and just made like Colonel Sanders their mascot. That is the equivalent of what the Phantom Scythe did here. You know, it's like, I will be on that logo. I want to be on that running. <laughs> I want to see my face everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. You wanna, we want to continue because I'm sure we'll get more yeah. juicy details and analysis <laughs> yeah. with more text. So this next panel, um, we get a full shot of the leader with those ghostly eyes and chain and he says, then perhaps we should remind him what happens to those who ignore, ignore my orders. And my orders is um, italicized and bolded. Uh, 
So this is the point where I'm already freaking out. Right. Like so no. That, I literally that, said I'm like, no, don't torture Kieran <laughs> already. It just shows that confirmed. Huh? Sorry. Um, I was going to say that it shows how much of a death grip the leader has on his assassins. And not even just his, like, honestly, more his assassins, the ones carrying out the the dirtier work. Um, he's vindictive, calculating, and unforgiving. And I was wondering if it was related to the events of the Snapdragon assassinations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll get to, wait, sorry, I'll understand just a minute. I just want to say quickly that the My Orders line basically confirms for us that this is, in fact, the leader. And, okay, so back to what Neff is saying. Um, yeah. Maybe we should finish like all the panels with the leader. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's I it actually. It's that, only like, like I, that's it. That's the last one. Sorry. <laughs> I definitely agree with what Neff said because the leader is a survivor and they've seen stuff, they've experienced stuff. They were based, we got in the party arc, we learned that, yeah, the leader was almost killed by the royals themselves. So it makes sense for him to like really have it up for them <laughs> because. Yeah the royals tried to hurt him and the people he likely cared about when they were still a peaceful group and experiences like that are enough to radicalize someone so and you know what? i think maybe part of this story could be to show how different people react to the same kind of stimulus because the, the person that i'm thinking of is march you know we know something happened to march's wife we don't know if she was killed by like if she was innocent and killed by you know, um, the criminals that he mentions, or she was not part of them, but whatever it is, like his reaction seems to have been radically different than the leader because he remained moral and remained mm-hmm. somebody who tries to do the right thing at all, all the time. And he didn't become bitter. He didn't become angry. He didn't flip a switch and go crazy. And I think it might be showing people different reactions to similar events. Yeah, that's an amazing observation. I definitely agree. I would say that Purple Hyacinth is a study into people and how they react when faced with, I guess, I don't know what the word is, but when faced with an issue. Yeah, adversity. That is, yes, thank you. (laughs) So it is a study in how people react when faced with adversity. And I think it is a bit of a cautionary tale of what not being able to move on and not being able to let go and just holding this bitterness in you and what that will do to you because the leader obviously has not moved on and so now he's doing terrible things and he is a terrible person lauren on the lauren um is also unable to move on and although she doesn't she's not gone full-on ps leader he has become obsessed with taking down the phantom scythe to a degree where it may almost be unhealthy she's been putting her life at risk for this cause and while that is noble it is it does also raise the question like you know is is it really worth it because it's not really safe and yet she's still doing it because of how obsessed she is and how she's unable to move on and then we have march who seems like he's been able to move on and the way he's been able to move on has been productive and he's sharing his wisdom with others and 
he's fighting for the cause in a just and moral way in the best way he can he's trying to be the best person he can still be and he's not letting his past experiences stop him whereas Lauren and the leader I would kind of argue that their obsessions and their inability to move on has stunted them a bit yeah you know one of sorry sorry I'll with you then all right so sorry I, I interrupted you so go on Oh, that was it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, one of the words that really means a lot to me personally is called integration. And for me, what it means to me at least is that um, I know when I was younger, I was extremely disturbed by tragedies in the world to the point where I was not able to function. Like um, I was constantly thinking about genocide and poverty and abuse. And I, I was very depressed and I was certainly not doing anything helpful. I know at that state. I mean, I was like, you know, a young person as well. And, um, and I noticed that most people were indifferent to these issues. And I didn't like that either. I didn't want to be indifferent. But by being too obsessed, I wasn't being helpful either. So for me, one of the, the biggest things about growing up for me was integrating and the integration where I was able to hold people's tragedies and the, difficult, the sad, sadness of the world in my mind and not to forget about it and not to push it down and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, and forget about Mm -hmm. all the tragedy, but also to still live my life and be practical and take care of my needs, and to try in my small way, like March, to do something to help for the world, which is why I like March so much, because I feel like it's a very mature perspective, because most people don't have the time and resources to devote their whole life to helping others, because then they just don't have the money, like you need to support yourself, Mm -hmm. so unless you were born wealthy, you really just have to work for your living, right, so But if everyone did something small to make the world a better place, the world would be a better place. So, you know, I feel like that's the perfect kind of the gold balance. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't not to be too obsessed, but not to forget about the pain and suffering either. So for me, that's integration. And I feel like people like Lauren maybe haven't integrated it and the leader haven't, but someone like March has. That's such an amazing perspective um, and such a profound one as well. And another like we both like March for this. Um, what March does is instead of letting his experiences stop him or um, stump him, what he does is he takes the tragedies in his life and he uses them to motivate himself to be a better person and to help his community to the best of his ability. Well, yeah, he's not ending poverty because that is not possible for one person to do that he is trying to make the most positive impact that he can as a person to his community and the people around him because you know we're not we're not superheroes we can't save the earth as one person but what we can do is make small positive differences to our communities and to the people we care about and even to the people that we maybe dislike because um, you know, we just have to use our experiences to learn and grow and push forward. Yeah, that's beautiful. So Mr. Leader here does not take that path because he's about to go torture our darling. <laughs> and the apostle is like, what? Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> Kieran's about to get hurt. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, and he, you know, it's interesting. He also uses all the, 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 for someone who doesn't want, like, who wants an egalitarian organization, he sure demands a lot of, like, 
you know, fealty because he, you know, the messenger bows to him. And he's like, my messenger is already on it. Sorry, the apostle bows to him. I mean, he's just taking the exact same trappings of the of the royalty and just repeating it in his own own organization. It begs the question of what he actually wants in the mm. long run. I think he also wants revenge at this point. I think he's crazed by his desire for revenge. I mean, what that, I mean, more? What's keeping the people around him who are also powerful, loyal to this one person? So who is he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's how organ like nefarious organizations work. Unfortunately, we have like so many models from history and the present. Like, well, you know, dictatorial governments operate on fear and you know obviously like yeah there's tons of regular people and more than people in power but there's such a strong system in place of fear and punishment and nobody like if you don't have a concerted effort to all stand against it everyone's afraid because you're only one person Mm -hmm. so shall we continue and you're gonna be able to do this part because you were right <laughs> that's another thing i said as i was reading all along i was like well we have to we don't have enough information you know and now somebody is a jackass so. <laughs> i would definitely say the same about him like you know this reptile guy you know i wouldn't mind if he like jumped into a frozen lake and just let the water freeze over like you know that'd be so exciting to watch or read so <laughs> this character design though it's incredible yes, oh my god yes. i need i need his hair con- or there i should say there because we don't technically know i need their um uh their <laughs> they're stunning they're just beyond stunning i mean yeah, it feels me. horrible to say it but they're stunning <laughs> they're very feminine i will say like they got yes. the earrings um mm-hmm. long hair he reminds me a bit of Viscount um, Druitt from Black Butler. And I know that some parts of Black Butler were used in, as inspiration. Mm. So oh, okay. maybe that's a little bit, I'm not little sure bit something guys, there. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but I got top comment again on this episode. And I wasn't even trying. I was just saying like my thought. It was completely accidental. But I basically said, when we thought, Apostle Seven was going to be Stefan, Tristan, or Dawkin, but really it's the blonde guy from Castlevania. Oh my god. <laughs> That's who I thought of when I first saw him. It's like, oh my god, it's that guy from Castlevania. I never heard of Castlevania. I thought I thought you were I thought you were making up a word like he's a guy from the castle. <laughs> oh no, funny. it's um it's a animated uh, or it's an anime from Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking like, it up blonde now. Guy. I think his name's like a loop card or something. I haven't watched it myself. But I, you know, I see stuff. So anyways, <laughs> we see Apostle Seven sitting at a desk holding a stamp and they're looking very fancy, like incredibly fancy. They got the cravat, they got the earrings, they got a bit of gold chain, they got the cape, like they got a full on cape. They're dressed in deep reds and they have a gold, some gold and white. So they're very regal as well. And their mask is very pretty. And we see on their mask, just like Apostle Four, they have the uh, Roman numeral for the number seven. Mm-hmm. And they also, the and... masks also have these like swirly designs on them. They're not just utilitarian. They're also like for beauty, I guess. They're very ornate. Yeah. I, see yeah, I love the Apostle mask. Like, oh my God, they're gorgeous. 
Um, I feel like I think Apostle Seven should turn away from a life of crime and become a fashion designer. What do y'all think? Become a model. Yes. <laughs> and merch they, they ideas right off. here. Look, A7 is pulling off those fits. <laughs> so in the next panel, we see that Apostle Seven is in an office. They've got a ton of books. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a door behind one of them because the way that the light falls on it kind of makes like one part of the um of the bookshelf stand out it kind of looks like a door to me that's yeah secret tunnels (laughs) yeah that's a requirement in all mystery novels Mm -hmm. so oh wait it is it is a secret door yeah oh my god i didn't even notice that oh because what's this because Bella comes out of there. Yeah, and you see. Oh my god! I didn't notice panels. either. <laughs> Wait, okay. That's look, hilarious. Look, I, okay, so this is like what the third panel in this scene. I got it, and I was like, oh, I, I'm looking at this panel. It's like and studying. It's like, oh, hey, the way that light falls on the bookshelf is kind of weird. Then I scroll <laughs> down a bit to like so I can summarize the next few panels, and I realize that it actually opens. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I did not see this. <laughs> earlier <laughs> yeah i saw I this in like second read through i'm like ooh, that's really cool that's so anyway funny. so apostle seven is stamping something when uh one of the bookshelves opens <laughs> a secret doorway and they say finally i was starting to think you forgot about our rendezvous and they turn over to see who's entering and we hear clacks you know high heels and then they say bella and then the bookshelf closes behind them or behind her. And she's wearing the same outfit from her confrontation with Darcy. And so Bella says, come all the way here instead of, instead of just sending your messenger and expect me to be on time. And she's walking towards him and her. Do you think, him, but we technically don't know. But do I think you it's think like right close though. Is, I'm sorry. Sorry, you're um, going do you think she was actually late for that reason? I think she was lying. Yeah. I think okay. that's a very interesting thing to put in there. Mm. Yeah, what I think she... she's trying to avoid it, especially because of what we see them say. Yeah. Later on. So maybe Bella, this is maybe we could talk about this later. I think Bella maybe has something under her sleeve that she's not that we don't know about that she doesn't tell anyone else about. Yeah. Could be. She, okay. she does not look happy to be here. That's oh, yeah. So, she looks pretty somber, like, but still very expressionless. She's trying to stay as neutral as possible to show no emotion. So, A7 says, that's awfully rude. Aren't you happy to see me? And Bella leans over the desk and says, I'm seeing you too often since I started doing shows again. Why are you wearing that mask, Seventh? And she says Seventh with the quotations as if she knows their actual name. Now you can say who you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely makes yeah. sense. Based on this either, and what he says afterwards, yeah. too. It's either Radcliffe, Athena, or Josephine. And I'm leaning more towards Radcliffe because Bella and Radcliffe have that personal relationship where he took her off the streets. And Athena is probably a little bit too young to be an original apostle. Like, if I had to guess, she's probably around Bella's age. And I don't see, I don't see, like, you know, 
14 year old orchestrating a terrorist mm-hmm. attack like that's just not realistic <laughs> <laughs> and also he's in this super posh office that looks like it belongs to him and if he was the count Radcliffe, that would make sense mm-hmm. but yeah i was also thinking it might be josie because she has those long locks long golden locks but and i do think that josephine is an apostle Mm-hmm. But, yeah um maybe josephine like i don't understand why she how she would be still how she'd be upright because she's supposedly sick so it wouldn't make sense for her to be here so that yeah leaves I mean, right the our main suspect unless she's very good at like disguising herself and appearing sick and running back and forth with nobody mm-hmm. noticing her or maybe stefan really isn't on this who knows probably not but, I want to believe in Josephine, but then she's pulling this Raphael shit on Will. Okay. <laughs> she's not actually sick. Anyways, so sorry, Mindy, did I interrupt you? Yeah, continue. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. Uh, okay, so anyways, Apostle Seven says, "Well, this is serious official business. After all, apostles are required to wear one when they speak to their subordinates." And then- Rude just saying mm-hmm. so it's one thing when guy, lauren calls kieran that but he's rude <laughs> this guy sees bella as below them so then bella takes off the mask like she's comfortable enough doing this and she says don't be ridiculous and then apostle seven and sophie are so teasingly hiding their face from us says haha you're spoiling my fun so then bella sits down in the chair she's still holding the mask and she says here are the reports from my most recent con- contracts. Uh, give them to the fourth. I'm not going to hassle. I'm not. Wait, sorry. Give them to the fourth. I'm not going through the hassle of reaching out to his damned messenger. Hmm. And uh, Apostle 7 points to newspaper that they have on their desk. And they say, I must say, congratulations. You've become quite infamous. Gruesome and efficient as always. I'm sure the fourth will be pleased with your work. So they were spies. They have something to do with the spies then. The people that she killed. Because he's in charge of, the fourth was in charge of espionage and assassinations. But they were noble. Oh, Oh, okay, fine. So not necessarily spies. If they were spies, it probably would have been mentioned, I think, in episode. Right, uh, and the police knew about it. 80. Yeah. Can I just point out? it really seems like Bella is mirroring um, Apostles 7. Um, the way they talk to each other, mm-hmm. the way they present themselves, their body language we see with um, Bella. And this is kind of hinted at, like the way she came in about her being late. That, like Based off her character, what we've seen of her so far, with how ambitious she is and how on top of things and how collected, that is not like her. So for her to be here where this person has a special relation to her and has power over her due to being superior at least. And also the outfit colors, I feel like it's something important to pay attention to um, because it'll show up again later in the next part of the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really does seem like, I feel like Bella dresses herself up and puts on the jewelry and the gilded knives and all of that is due to her mirroring 
a powerful figure like Apostle Seven. That's mm-hmm. where she gets her strength from, rather than being, you know, sneaky and right like and kind of like the purple hyacinth. This is how she's strong on her own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's more than femme fatale. I also theorize that her lavishness and her extravagance is to make up for what she yeah. didn't have as, as a child. That too. She, yeah. yeah, she was living on the streets as a kid. And so she did not have access to like, you know, these fancy clothes, fancy jewelry, nice makeup. But now that she does have the ability to have and the um, access to these resources, she's making the most of it. She's trying to do what she wasn't able to do as a child. And I do think that, you know, if we follow this theme with Bella, maybe we'll end up to the part where she does what she wasn't able to do as an adolescent, which was break free of Redcliffe's abuse. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's what's why I'm hoping she has a, a plan under her sleeve. I'm hoping she'll turn like, she'll turn to be the ultimate spy because right now she's spying for the leader spying on the seventh. But I'm hoping she'll maybe team up with Kieran and Lauren and mm-hmm. be like the ultimate double coat. Yeah, I can see Darcy teaming up with Lauren and Kieran because like, or teaming up with Lauren and Soleil because Darcy, she's, she's pretty intelligent. She was able to pick up on what Lauren was, mm-hmm. um, what Lauren was doing in episode 87. And so, and because later in this chapter, it seems like she's not phantom size. I can see her aiding the cause. And then Bella will be the last one to join and she will be the one who needs convincing our team to take down those mfs <laughs> yeah. so then bella says of course do i ever disappoint and she's looking fabulous <laughs> and i believe Soph did post this panel to her story yeah and damn <laughs> bella's looking great so then apostle or no I, okay sorry no it's bella she's holding the mask and she says Oh, by the way, we, we received the delivery yesterday. Our last two players are still sticking to the plan like obedient pawns. I think neither Flemings nor Novira, uh, Elvira will surprise us. These two have been now spoken about like completely disrespectfully by both, you know, Bella and the Apostle Seven and Apostle Four and Lady Leader. Like the, the small people, the small fry are like, treated like bugs in the phantom side they're totally useless the second they you know do they're ridiculed while they're being of service and the second they're they're not useful anymore they're disposed of i mean it's just complete disregard for human life Mm -hmm. i'm a bit confused by this are flemings and elvira are they spies for the leader do you or no i think they're just working for the seventh getting oh okay getting adventures with the rise yeah Elvira was the glass owner glass factory owner right okay Okay, so then Apostle 7 says, Splendid, only a few more weeks before we can reclaim what's ours. Isn't that exciting? And what does he mean by reclaim what's ours? That's how he perceives his grand plan to blow things up. Like, I will reclaim what's ours by blowing it up. It's very weird. And maybe could- what ours as in Bella? What is, what is Bella in it for? I think he's using the royal we. I think he, by ours, he means like, our society but i I don't understand well i guess that's why i'm not a terrorist (laughs) maybe apostle seven because apostle seven has been vying for power this entire time yeah 
So maybe Apostle Seven was cheated out of the leader position when they were deciding <gasps> who was the next leader. Mm-hmm. Just realized I can connect it to that. That's why I have to discuss it with y'all. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Mindy. What? I was thinking. You look like you had like an epiphany, like a massive epiphany. Like, <laughs> saw the beyond. I, I think I'm a little tinfoily at this point because that's why I think there's so many things that I'm like, I don't know what to connect to what because there's like, it could be different people. But anyway, re- read it, okay? <laughs> I was thinking um, I, I at this point, like I'm doubting myself now because apparently there's a connection to the man who laughs, but um, he's just a V-count, right? So does that mean that, isn't that one of the lower ranks you have to be um, awarded that it's not something I mean can it really go you through I, uh, I believe yeah, it's pretty low. because yeah. like, with the money that he got off child labor so okay, maybe it, is pretty, it does seem to be pretty low I mean yeah that's what I was wondering if maybe he wants to be higher higher up um in the monarchy if not the king mm-hmm. because the also isn't it strange that he seems even more regal than the Hawks family? Like they don't need they, they there was a something there was a quote from one of the previous episodes, either an episode or two ago, and it was about how only the Secret Service. It was between um um Dakin and Tristan. Dakin said that only the Secret Service, the king or the monarchy, and the Hawks family was aware of the, um, I think the assassination against the Snapdragon. And that means the Hawks family is really high up there. So I'm wondering if along with whatever's going with the, with Steph and Hawks, if, um, if this is Redcliffe, if there's something going on with between them two, and if this is really just an elaborate s- scheme for power or shifting the monarchy. I mean, at the time, I believe Stephen Hawks was the police officer, like the chief of police. So it would make sense for him to know about the Orion massacre because it would have been the police who were sent out to do the massacre itself, probably. Mm. Or like, or no, it would have been the Secret Service, but. Um, oh, yeah. It makes sense that the chief of police would be in on it because, like, you know, police, it's like it would be police business, sort of. Yeah, I can totally see power struggles being like a major theme in this whole story. So, mm-hmm. um, so then Bella, she's spinning the mask on her finger, and she says, "Putting the city through fire and blood, extremely. I am bored out of my mind these days." Hmm. And, Feels uh, like a cover up to me. Yeah, mirroring like a, a mask uh, for her feelings. Oh yeah. Ooh, she's playing with the mask. Oh, I like oh. that. <laughs> nice. I like that. Good symbolism. symbolism. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Wait, what so was the symbolism? Bella is playing with the mask. She's put. She's masking her own feelings. She's oh. like Kieran. If I mean, now that we know more Classic. about her, she's like Kieran, putting forth like a sarcastic, cynical front to hide yeah. their real feelings. Mm-hmm. And she, even she is pointing out how like ridiculous his idea is because he's like oh we're clean with the hours and she's like by putting the city through fire and blood it's like 
you know, oh, let's kill people in order to get what we want. Like, which again, I don't even know what, I still don't know, even know what in his, let's say in his logic, like what's his logic? What, how does it go from A to B? Bombing their party will get you what? Like, what does he hope to get out of it? Right. I don't even know, like, what will he get besides the dead people? I don't, I just don't even get it. Probably like a rule symbol here. Establishing himself as a powerful force. Yeah, and I, don't, I guess if he gets rid of all the nobility and, and he's not there, assuming he doesn't plan on being there and it's not a suicide mission, then I guess then it's like, okay, I got rid of all of them. Now is fewer of them and more for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mirroring Bella, we have Apostle Seven playing with their hair. And mm-hmm. I, it's ominous. Boy, their hair is beautiful. <laughs> like that curl. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> Fossil 7 says, poor little thing, all those insipid, meaningless murders. You haven't had much fun since, like, almost a shame you killed him so quick. Or psychopaths, Bella's- psychopaths of people. Bella's staring at the mask as she says, he was useless and getting on my nerves. He only got what he was begging for. And then Apostle 7 asks, and what about that curious police officer? as Lauren <laughs> and we get a flashback to I believe episode 72 or 73 it's one of the two where Karen says I had a few questions for him about the officer who almost exposed him she's useful to my infiltration mission I wanted to make sure Saquon stab her to death in a back alley before I'm ready to get rid of her yeah, and I, think, I, was, I was a little confused is Bella the one saying that um, oh no, that was sorry, that was Kieran. Okay, I didn't remember Kieran saying that. Okay, yeah, um, that was Kieran talking about Lauren, uh, and apparent. I believe that is episode seventy-two because that is the chapter Bleak Bluff. And my personal theory is that you know maybe Kieran wasn't bluffing there, and it was actually Bella who was bluffing in that chapter because you know as we learn more about Bella, we're being the one who's bluffing doesn't seem that far out of the ballpark both be bluffing you're both bluffing what is the singular bluff no we had this debate last time but it it was a mistake okay they meant to write like bluffs <laughs> okay mindy when karen betrays lauren no don't even say those horrible words please continue <laughs> anyways um bella is playing with the mask again and she says, nothing new, hasn't made a peep since, as in Lauren hasn't been as a, or Lauren hasn't been a father. And then we have Apostle Seven saying, my, my, you are awfully serious today, Bella. And then Apostle Seven leans forward the way Bella was earlier. And we get this fish eye panel with us still not being able to see Apostle Seven's face. And um, they say, something on your mind. And this panel, the way that it is framed, makes um, Apostle Seven seems so much bigger than Bella, and he's almost, or they're almost looming over her. Mm-hmm. So masterful. And, yeah. He's been so tiny compared to this person. And it really shows their dynamic, especially with something on your mind. And then there's a pause as we scroll through the panel. And then they say, Bella, something on your mind, Bella. And we get. A bit of a fisheye panel with Bella's eyes as she looks up. And we get a flashback to Darcy saying, A life I never chose, you of all people, should know how that feels. 
and Bella acknowledges or kind of acknowledges and says absolutely nothing. And then Fossil 7 says, great, it would have been a shame if that girl upset you again. Our good old messenger let me know she visited you to, um, yesterday. And- Angry when I read this. Mm-hmm. So nasty. Nasty, oh, disgusting. Nasty. Apostle 7 makes me want to hurl. <laughs> also, if Apostle 7 touches Darcy, I will personally throw him into the pits of hell. <laughs> Please do. I'm all for the angst. Of his blonde so. <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make me wonder, though. Like, you know, if Apostle 7 knows about Darcy, then... The Phantom Scythe has to know about Loon and Kieran being in Loon. Like, there is no possible way they don't. I mean, Lorna's like, been in Kieran's apartment, what, two times? Two, three times? Somewhere around there. She's been there a couple times. And the PS, as we learned in the last chapter, knows where Kieran lives. So, like, who thought to know that he's working with her? Which goes back to that theory of um, somebody protecting her within within the fandom scythe which would be make sense mm, yeah oh, maybe this is whole crazy master plan that's that's uh was that, that was also your theory right but i don't know if it's exactly that way but like yeah maybe there's people pulling strings in ways that we don't understand yet mm-hmm. and so to apostle seven bringing up darcy bella panics a bit we see it in her eyes and then oh. apostle seven reaches over and or sort of like rests his hand under her chin and says you aren't so mad at me over her I hope no it was for your own good (sighs) only and then he or they sorry I'm I'm pretty sure this is red cliff so I keep using he but I should probably use um and then they um they brush Bella's cheek with their hand and says most will only get you killed Bella I taught you better than that. And then they clutch and sort of grab her chin or her jaw and they say, <sighs> they will only make you lose your spark. And you know I have no use for dead matches. The way he's holding guy, her face is just... Bitch ass mother. <laughs> Baby. It's just filthy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so is, gross oh my gosh this is emotional abuse this is plain out emotional abuse this is physical and intimidation full on and now i'm wondering like what kind of relationship do you have with her because that is like inappropriate i don't know i i assume it's just intimidation but it also has the sexual component which is freaking me out my friend was theorizing that that would, was exactly the case that there was something sexual going on there and you know it could be. It really could be. Mm-hmm. We do know that. Crazy, crazy evil. I think over the summer, F said that like if if PH was in the webtoon format and like if it was a novel and it wasn't restricted to be PG thirteen, it would go a lot darker. So mm. I don't think that this is like you know that far fetched. And it is disgusting. Like even if it wasn't supposed to be implied, this is still an incredible incredibly terrifying moment like we feel Bella's fear in this moment I wonder if she's afraid or just resigned to it because 
you know, you, you're, imagine your belly, you're, you've killed people, you've seen who knows what, and at this point, is it fear, or is it more like resignation, if that's the right word for it, or just meet me, yeah, because she's been there, she's still there, and what, can she leave to her right now? Probably not. But something I find interesting is that Apostle, for the lines, um, the Apostle 7 says that you aren't so mad at me over her, I hope, you know, it was for your own, you know, it was only for your own good, we see Bella's face with this. Then for the next lines where it says emotions will only get you killed, Bella, I've taught you better than that. We don't see her eyes. Her eyes are hidden from us. And that is a very significant way of showing us that she is a bit resigned here. Interesting. Yeah. And now we know that whatever happened between her and, you know, Bella and Darcy, clearly this person, Apostle Seven, thought it was distracting to her. And Mm -hmm. doesn't want her to have happiness. I mean, it sounds like, you know, they were in a romantic relationship and he was like, uh-uh, I can't have her forming attachments. She will be distracted from her mission. She will be distracted from doing her work and sent her away or whatever. And um, I mean, this is just the epitome of yeah, abuse. Taking away a most basic need, a human need for a relationship and love and affection. And like, and especially for somebody who didn't grow up with a family and taking that away from her. And it's just, just so disgusting. I can't, I can't even, it's so, it's so vicious and selfish and and horrible isolating someone is a um, very prominent abuse tactic like for that abusers use they um, cut off their victims from other people and they discourage contact with the outside world and that is basically what apostle seven is doing here and i wouldn't be surprised if bella believed apostle seven because the way we see her with Kieran. They've known mm-hmm. each other for a long time, and maybe longer than Bella's known Darcy. And so, I think Kieran like would have been open to a more closer friendship with Bella, but Bella just hasn't been open to one herself. And you yeah. know, for friendships to work, you need both people to want to be in that friendship, but. Bella obviously does not want to and she's very cold and stays very professional with Kieran and I think that was the same with Darcy she's she was trying to distance herself in that chapter is it 89 I think so mm-hmm. uh yeah we see her just like she tells Darcy to leave and she does not want to be around Darcy and yeah so I do think that she does she has internalized a lot of what Apostle 7 has told her I didn't even think of it that way. And that's like, that's like the worst kind of abuse because you just perverted that person. You took away the humanity and you, you changed it not only on the outside, but also on the inside. <clears throat> now that person is damaged and that mm-hmm. if they would, if the, to undo that is, is almost impossible. Oh my gosh. That's, that's like even worse. Yeah. yeah. Apostle seven, I think is kind of I making think- Bella emotionally dependent on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is just like, they're they're threatening um, Darcy. It's obvious that Bella doesn't want to be around Kieran, and so Apostle Seven is in a way making himself the only person that Bella has. Yeah, and she that is like um, that is a straight up abuse tactic. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways that um, the higher ups in the fandom side 
they use such varied and despicable tactics to keep their underlings um, completely under control. And, you know, we, we, there's such a tight network of surveillance, there's constant surveillance, there's, you know, it's borderlines on brainwashing, you know, mm -hmm. you have to break them down to make them into a soldier. We saw that with Kieran's torture. We're going to see that later on. We see that with Bella now that tortured at least in a different way. She's an assassin. Maybe she was tortured the same way she was or the way Kieran was, but it could also be maybe that Kieran's been known for physically, um, um, disobeying I suppose and maybe Bella hasn't yet it makes me think that the two grew up in different environments yeah. which kind of softens the Kieran's in the circus theory but then again it does not seem that the other circus members are as close to Redcliffe as Bella is so there's a possibility but it does show the environment of how someone grows up and what they are taught to value and who they're taught to value. Because Kieran, as kind of lonely as he is, he is starting to build a social network or just, you know, a network of support. I mean, he had the protectee, the protect, although the protectee's gone, he did have them for that time. He has Lauren now. He's starting to grow friendships with the other people in the police force and the APD. But Bella essentially has no one. The one person who Kieran doesn't even try to really reach out to her much. And the one person who did show up for Bella kind of just for Bella, she probably perceived that that person just wanted to use her. And that mm -hmm. is probably how she sees everyone in the world. Just using her for their own gain even apostle seven. Mm -hmm. Oh that's truly depressing. So yeah it's Bella, entirely how she models no herself. One. Who is she really? Yeah and I also wonder I wonder if what's keeping her here is just like the psychological manipulation or if there's something else like uh like another blackmailing kind of situation. I'm assuming we'll find out. Mm -hmm. But she does have her spark. She does. I like her response. Yeah. So Bella responds with, she's smirking now and she says, but a single spark can burn you down. So be careful how you play with it. And that's when Radcliffe or Apostle 7 moves their hand. Could be foreshadowing. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking she has something under her sleeve. Maybe she's planning her own revenge. You know, I don't think people should die. Like, I don't think death is really justified often or murder is not justified but you know if Bella does end up murdering Radcliffe or Apostle 7 I wouldn't really mind you know I would pull <laughs> popcorn get, get the party streamers we would be celebrating all night if she did <laughs> celebrating yeah, all night just a little skills. bit so Radcliffe goes over to the window and they say Apostle 7 and they say haha there you are Bella I knew you weren't hiding too deep. And Bella says, do you need me for something else? And that kind of ties back to how people only use Bella. They mm. don't really value who she actually is. Also, I want to point out, did you notice there's a portrait of Abe Lincoln in the back? And I feel like it was put there 
I mean, okay, it could be arbitrary, but I feel like Abe Lincoln is known as, you know, the, the freer of slaves. So I feel like Radcliffe and, uh, okay, sorry, Apostle Seven styles himself as, you know, together with the Phantom Scythe of having, of having noble intentions, you know, and, and um, I mean, I guess I can't, I can't take the analogy further because Abe Lincoln, I don't see anything sinister about him, but, you know, he tries to show, he thinks of himself as this righteous person. At least I think that's what you can interpret from that statue, from that portrait. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I wasn't sure who it was, but I didn't look too closely. Yeah. I thought it looked like, um, I thought it looked a bit like um, some sort of founding father, but I wasn't really too sure. And I, I didn't, I didn't really look closely, but yeah, Abe Lincoln. He's not a founding father, but you know, uh, American However, I will say Abraham Lincoln did want to send um, the slaves back to Africa. So it is he, I'm not we praise him for ending slavery but white people in America were technically the ones who did start it in the first place. And slavery um, was is a super ancient institution, but anyway, or well, they are they did carry it into America. They themselves they didn't invent slavery, of course, but um, the white race was the race who sort of they did use racism as a way to make whites seem superior and as an excuse to make. The British colonizers. People. Yeah. As a way to make it seem more justifiable for Black people to become slaves or to be slaves and for slavery to seem more just. So, yeah, a little bit of nugget of history, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, Lincoln wanted to send slaves back to Africa. He did not want them in America. So, I guess that kind of could also reflect on Radcliffe. Like, he sees himself as like, you know, this great person for doing what he did and for supposedly helping these people. But really, really what he did was just for his own benefit. What Lincoln did was for his own political, for, you know, to reflect on the political time. If I have my history right. But anyways. Um, so Redcliffe is looking out the window and, or <laughs> Apostle Seven, <laughs> Apostle Seven is looking out the window and they say, I received a new mission for you this morning, Bella. The leader wants you to keep an eye on the purple hyacinth. And my theory here, I had this theory like before the episode, but like, I, I was surprised that we saw this because like, oh damn, this theory might be true. But my theory here is that Bella might be Harvey's replacement because Harvey because Kieran stepped in as an archivist, but Harvey was not an archivist. So Kieran wasn't Harvey's APD replacement, though he was the spy replacement. So what if Bella is Harvey's APD replacement? <laughs> if she shows officer. up at the precinct, oh my gosh. <laughs> or Lauren is going to have a complete meltdown. <laughs> yeah, I'm at, oh I know God. we're approaching the mid-season right now. So like, what if Bella pulls like Kieran instead of season one finale? <laughs> I don't know. 
have a sewing uniform. <laughs> that would be rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. 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 I think I just realized something. Okay. So I'm looking at this window panel and I'm trying to figure out where Apostle 7 is. And I'm thinking, we know Radcliffe's um, palace or their mansion is actually on the, the coast. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of looks like a cliff here. Like to the left, it looks like an ocean. And then to the right, it looks like a cliff with some taller building. So I'm like, you know, what if... Uh, yeah, because Radcliffe's mansion is in the 13th precinct and it's right on the sea. It's the perfect place to throw someone off of. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, so, yeah. I can picture that being a good final scene of something. You know? <sighs> Splash. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, Charlie. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I'm literally blind. Okay, so anyways, yeah. In the next panel, we see the reflection and you can't see the cliffs. <laughs> I did not notice the cliffs there. Um just like I did not notice the bookcase door, I am literally blind. <laughs> so, anyways, we see we see half their face, and they look very feminine mm-hmm. and, and beautiful. Sorry. Again, they've got the earrings, long hair, and uh, Seven says, "Keep him alive, though, or as alive as he'll be after the force through with him." Our spy no. master is not as forgiving as I am. No, and I would say this is a bit gaslighty for Bella because Apostle 7 is calling themselves forgiving as if what Apostle 7 is doing has been forgiving to Bella and compassionate when really it hasn't been it does remind me a lot of Josephine by the way in this panel yeah maybe they're related yeah that's what I was thinking like what if Josephine Radcliffe, maybe the sister of Viscount Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And Bella's frowns when she hears this, which makes me think she does care for Kieran. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is probably Radcliffe because, you know, Radcliffe's mansion is on the sea and this does seem to be on the sea as well. Um, I'm so blind for not noticing there was cliffs before. Uh, that is now, completely so. on me. Oh, wait. So it's Red Cliff, probably named after, you know, that would be, yes. so. Yeah, it's Red But also it. Fleming's coat had something red on it, right? <gasps> oh my gosh. So I think, I think the coat was from the docks, actually, because there's this one panel in one of the 40s episodes where the dogs are very dirty and I think there's some red stains there. I Wait, think, I, oh, I, like, the one with Elvira, well, Obviously right? they're storing the natural ghost ride somewhere here, no? Mm-hmm. What? I'm saying they are storing the nitroglyceride somewhere. If he's planning on blowing up the people at the party, he needs the nitroglyceride here. Maybe they are storing it here. Yeah, but and with he, Red Cliff, it would make more sense. I think. Oh, sorry, you go. Yeah, I think it's the one where we first saw um, Elvira, the cigar lady, right? I think it was just red for the lighting, like reddish brown, but there wasn't actually like red material it was just the factory so if we yeah. go back probably we could find out maybe another clue as to what um maybe not but why glass factory would be relevant 
I think there's a few there's a doc scene and in that doc scene there's a few panels that show like red materials so like it might have been from that but now that you bring it up Naf, I'm starting to wonder if Redcliffe is even this dude's real name because Redcliffe could it's just very coincidental that this person is living on on a cliff and the rocks from these cliffs and the land from these cliffs have a reddish tone like legit did this guy just look at his surroundings and be like <laughs> yes yeah I'm going I think to that's... name myself Oak Tree and that will be my new alibi I think that's right? common with um like English names yeah. um like Blackwood or you know you, you could think of it there those their yeah, names out but, there like that yeah but the thing is is that like Smith uh Rycliffe bought his title so it's likely that he wasn't living on this property before oh so he, mm-hmm. I could, he's, he's a person who seems to have reinvented himself so i wouldn't be surprised if he chose his name mm-hmm. maybe yeah that's interesting yeah so bella frowns a bit um and then we switch scenes i think yeah i also want to do this i'll do that so we go to it looks like it's the church in great chapel again it's the dilapidated church you know beautiful gothic architecture and Kieran comes in his outfit is pretty cool I have to say it's like this red cape hood thing it looks really good nice again the red yeah (laughs) and closes the doors strides in um very confident as usual and then we hear a thump and a foot and we see the messenger he says purple hyacinth and again thump ominous coming through threatening we see um you know him in his in his plague doctor mask kieran is hooded and kieran looks very boyish here he says you know you aren't stealthy right and now we have him blurred out and we see these figures behind him he says i could see you from the entrance and he's then he says the messenger says we didn't need to be and you have a lot more figures emerging from wherever within the church and surrounding Kieran. And we know what's about to happen. It's just going to be terrible. And he tells him, you know why you didn't run. And to me, this this is the first time that I thought, wait, I always assumed that the person he was protecting, something happened to them. But now I'm assuming that whoever he's protecting is still alive. And that's why he doesn't just run away. What do you all think? Oh, I didn't even think about that. It could that. be considering blackmail dead blackmail wouldn't really be abuse yeah which Uh, is would be another super great thread to pick up on this is just a random detail but there's a statue that we see that has actually been toppled and i believe we saw the statue in episode 45 and it might have been of mary and baby jesus i'm not religious so i'm not entirely sure but it did seem to be like this is a church probably religious statue so if that is if that was a statue of like mary like the virgin mary and baby jesus and is that symbolism like because they were toppled so and where is it uh it's when kieran is like it's one of the first panels when kieran is walking into the church we see that the statue has been toppled and it's um kind of on the pews yeah i think it was was, we did see it before it was the, the virgin mary 
Yeah. I mean, the whole thing taking place in a church, I mean, even the first encounter, the first time we saw it, I actually thought Kieran at that point was going to the church to repent. I thought he was going there to have like a, a moment of so like soliloquy and solitude. But, you know, the fact that it was being used as like a messenger place for like uh, nefarious activities. And now what, you know, what's going to happen here? It's again, it's so ironic and just shows the de devastation and the descent where like the place that's supposed to be for holiness and kindness has been turned into a place of torture i mean i'm not i don't know too much about this but it could be a bit of a metaphor for a corruption of the church mm -hmm. okay yeah definitely because I, I think i think with the Catholic Church, there have been controversies like um, sexual abuse. So, you know, the harming of young children. The same as kind. Of, the same is basically with the Phantom Scythe, and so it's basically right. I mean, and then the church also, especially the Catholic Church, was extremely wealthy, and um, mm -hmm. that's another complaint against it. And it's funny in the reading of the man who laughs. That was also another <clears throat> big complaint. So yeah, it could go both ways. Mm -hmm. so. And Kieran, I won't lie, Kieran reminds me of a mix of Little Red Riding Hood because of the red, but also Robin Hood. A bit. Oh, yeah. That's what Kieran reminds me of here. Mm -hmm. Like with the oh, outfit. Yeah. And, you know, that. the myth of Robin Hood or the legend of Robin Hood is like, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor. And that's a very Kieran thing of him. Mm. Yeah. Also, I just noticed the door when Kieran closes the door, the door, the shapes in the doors ostensibly look like flowers but then they also look like ghoulish faces oh you're right oh, oh nice. that is terrifying yeah <laughs> mm. anywho so he tells him this right and so he threatens him which i think it's another blackmail and at this point we have whoosh we have a guy a person um you know actually all of them it's this amazing image of kieran standing in the middle of like one, two, three, four, five, six people just all descending on him. Uh, amazing shot. And the perspective. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. It, this, yeah, this episode had a bunch of really interesting perspectives that we hadn't had before. And then, you know, you see a panel of him looking up, and it, it, it kind of also reminds me of him being with Angel Wings. Does that also look like Angel Wings to you? Oh, oh yeah, I can see that. Like, uh, both sides. And it's the panel is from the perspective of one of his attackers. Mm -hmm. I feel like it look, looks more like a phantom because you see the hooded person in the draping cloak. Mm -hmm. To me, it looks more like that. Okay. Well, I'm going to prefer to see my little angel boy. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does look pretty, pretty young and childlike here. And what I'm amazed at is his equanimity in the face of so much. And, you know, he starts to, you know, take them down. Like, he's clearly very skilled. He dodges one, grabs the other one. There's a fight scene. Uh, he manages to overpower quite a few, uh, you know, and just be completely calm. They're grabbing him from behind, choking him. He, they're punching him. Uh, he does cough, but then he manages to um, crack with their fingers, it looks like. Crack one of their fingers. And, you know, it says crush, crack. And he's like, oops, and smiles. So he still has that attitude. And he does manage to uh, flip them over and, you know, get them away from him, most of them, which is, again, incredible that he can do that with so many people overpowering him. But then somebody 
takes a wooden board and smashes it across his back, it looks like. And Ouch. there's this, what? Ouch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a shot of him, you know, the impact, his mouth is open, his eyes are blurred out. So clearly it's something that was painful and overpowering. And then he sinks down to his knees, you know, doom, thump, and he's grabbed and his hands are grabbed behind him. And, you know, you see him and his head is down. And you see him through the feet of the messenger, which again is like a very power pose. So he looks defeated here, but then he's just, his attitude is irrepressible. He smirks and he says, did the leader finally decide to get rid of me? And, you know, it's a little, it's very sad on one hand that, you know, he has to do this and he has to put forth that show, but it's also very admirable, you know, no matter what, like, I have a feeling like he'll just go down smiling. I don't want him to die, but like, I know if he dies, he'll go down smirking. It's very reminiscent of early season one, Kieran, the scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I thought. It's like, it's basically, we're seeing Kieran running across the rooftops and it's like episode two again. This mm -hmm. is what <laughs> we're seeing. That's Kieran again. And yeah. the panel where he's struck by the board, I, I just want to say that it's like a neat detail and it's very realistic that he would get hit by a board because the church, we know that the church is in Grey Chapel and it's in disrepair. It would make sense that there is like, mm -hmm. you know, random wooden boards lying around. I mean, we just saw the statues toppled. <laughs> And yeah. then the panel where it's just white behind him, it's it signifies blinding pain. Because like when you think of like blinding pain, or just you think of like white, it's just mm. so bright that you can't even see. And so that's nice. nice. Nerve oh, damage. Nice. Also, I just this is random, but how are Kieran's shoes staying on his feet? Like there's this one panel like where he topples them, and you can see that his boots are not like tight against his. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like you know a lot of extra fabric and stuff so I'm like how how are your shoes staying on they should just like fall off like slippers or something <laughs> yeah they're very fashionable though I do like them <laughs> okay I'm sorry this is really not appropriate to note at this moment <laughs> sorry but yeah the main thing that I noticed is that Kieran has he will not allow anyone to touch his soul there's this amazing poem called To Althea from Prison by Richard Lovelace. And it's basically, um, it was during a time in England when um, I think royalists were imprisoned. It might've been, I guess it was there in Cromwell then, but um, he was in prison. He was um, a noble and he was imprisoned. And he writes this poem how um, no matter what, like you, you can imprison me, you can chain my body, but you'll never chain my soul. And he goes, um, so in walls do not a prison make nor iron bars a cage. Um, mind something noble and quiet take that for a hermitage um, as long as I have my soul and in my soul I'm free angels above angels that tipple up above no, no such liberty so basically saying that you can control my body but you can't control my mind and my mind is who I really am and Kieran will never give up his true self he'll never give up his identity and never give up a part of himself because you know they can control he knows that they can control his body and he knows he's outnumbered he knows what you know they have waiting for him but he'll never let them take away his attitude take away his spark take away his personality which mm -hmm. is very yeah admirable admirable mm -hmm. it's again persistence through experience and just you know continuing to push on like we were talking about earlier and 
trying to still be positive in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he asks, did the leader finally decide to get rid of me? Again, with that smirk. And the messenger walks forward. And again, it's so interesting. You can see the action even without, you know, actually like action lines, because this whole comic is just very good at showing movement. He says, no, this is just a reminder to complete your mission. And again, we see a smirk, only the smirk. Oh, how kind of him. What did he tell you to do? And then you see those two fists coming and he says, only to spare only your face. Ugh. And then he, he laughs, Kieran laughed, and then we end with a whack. Uh, oh no. It is another abuse tactic, I'd say. Um, I don't remember where I said this. It might have been on podcast. I was looking through the Discord for it the other day and I couldn't find it, but I am like 100% sure I said this. Um, so the other day I theorized that Bella had scars like Kieran mm. because you know she's an assassin it would make sense if she got harmed in her line of work but the thing is is that where we see Bella she, she does not have scars like on her arms on her chest on her face she does not have scars and those are the areas that you would see her while she's performing and so it makes sense for her to try and hide or keep scars if you ever did face torture the way Kieran did they would want to keep any injuries in parts where they would not be visible to uh, an onlooker so an onlooker would never know Bella's struggle Mm -hmm. so that means keeping it mainly to her torso and sort of maybe legs if there was any torture so it's like you know during performances you wouldn't be able to see it and that's when I saw the only to spare face that's what I was reminded of because if people saw Kieran having damage to his face they would know something was wrong mm-hmm. and people would try to investigate it but if no one can see the injuries then no one can really know yeah I'm like wondering like okay but like he's gonna be like shuffling into the precinct like with like I mean <laughs> I don't know how when his next work day is but I mean I'm assuming however they're gonna beat him up it's gonna be pretty bad and, mm-hmm. I mean uh, maybe you'll have a break have to call in sick uh, mm-hmm. I mean a spy wouldn't call in sick after all right <laughs> yeah oh my gosh and the smile Kieran gives like that part was like him preparing for pain like he knew he probably expected it he knew there was no way out of it he's just trying to keep the mask on and not mm-hmm. show fear Put on a brave face because mm-hmm. they'll never let them dominate him mm-hmm. with the whack uh, it does make me wonder if someone else showed up like what if they didn't actually punch him because like oh, you know, what if someone else punched someone else like did cool. someone else show up and like you know hit people? oh my gosh you, you solved the problem we didn't have to be depressed all week somebody's rescuing kieran mindy <laughs> i got you <laughs> thank you <laughs> imagine just imagine that like you know I don't know, someone else stepped in, maybe like a police officer or something. Imagine someone else stepped in, and then when we are ultimately disappointed next week with Kieran actually being punched in. At least um, it's only one day of torture and not seven days. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what happens, though. Like, even if he does end up getting tortured. Yeah. It's I, cool. I mean, <laughs> I want, and I 
I want Lauren to find out and be like, hey, Kieran, something's fishy. And then to be like, Kieran, what happened to you? What and then like, I don't know, maybe to have a discussion of like the fandom side sucks and tell me about your life, you know, something like that, like a emotional help. Honestly, I won't lie. I did not even process that last scene with Kieran because the first scene was like, honestly, I don't think I even really registered much of the Redcliffe or Apostle 7 scene because I was just so shook by the first scene with the leader in Apostle 4 because, you know, again, we saw them in person. We saw them in the flesh. Like, I wasn't expecting to see the leader in the flesh, like, as the leader. Like, we may have saw them as, like, if they were normal, like, in their normal lives. But, like, I wasn't expecting to see them as the leader until, like, way down the road. But we're almost, mm-hmm. like, we're almost mid-season two. I Honestly, I should have seen it coming, but I did not. And I applaud Sophie Ash because yeah. thinking about it, I am still... I am still shaken. Yeah. This entire oh, this entire chapter was such a beautiful it was such a beautiful chapter and it definitely dealt with a lot of darker themes but they are important themes to address especially in a story like this and there's a lot of parallels between Bella and Kira and well Bella does not maybe she does not face the physical abuse that Kieran does she still faces the emotional she still faces emotional abuse and while Kieran may face less emotional abuse he still um deals with the physical abuse and I say Kieran dealing with less emotional abuse we don't actually know because we know so little about him he may have faced the same thing but right now um Kieran does not have this same relationship or a relationship on parallel as to Bella in Apostle 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it is a little bit tricky to tell you know, it's kind of also I think it's more interesting story-wise if each character has a different situation mm-hmm. but uh, they both parallel each other and I find it kind of interesting because they've had such a similar experience with the phantom scythe and they they both are able I would say to sort of understand the other struggle in the phantom scythe and wanting more and not wanting this life Mm -hmm. but they are unable to connect they are unable to maintain a healthy friendship and they kind of just they they keep it professional and that's a bit tragic yes yeah right on on top of all the other suffering they can't even commiserate Mm -hmm. so Neff what are your concluding thoughts on this episode um I'd say that I think that we really see more into um, Bella and Karen's situation. We we got, there was just so much information, like the surface level, and then there's like mid-tier information, and there's even like even more on the, beyond that, and I'm just excited. Like things are, I I don't, we're approaching mid-season finale, but things are ratcheting up so much and it's making me really excited for what's to come oh yeah oh yeah I am so hyped and yeah we're still on the like incline the roller coaster is still going up yeah <laughs> and we're gonna be on this incline for a while yeah fine with me <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, for me, like the big takeaway from here was just how cool the Phantom Scythe was. And um, I know, Fool, you had a whole long thing about it. And I don't know if you said all your thoughts since then. And honestly, also, um, I think we do, and I want to close out the episode. But Mm -hmm. um, it was just so clear how they trapped everyone in just the most horrible of ways. Yeah. So it was pretty sickening. It's it links to other episodes to like little bits of we, we little bits of um, what we've seen like we've seen it from Sam and we've seen it from um, Kieran's flashbacks. It's and it's really all starting to fall into place. Mm-hmm. And it's so satisfying watching this all happen. Like I don't mean the like what's happening to Karen and Bella like that's obviously horrible but no, watching the puzzle satisfying. pieces fall into place that's what I mean <laughs> like watching yeah. everything come together it's just magnificent so Vanessa, um they are brilliant storytellers mm-hmm. and they really this, are so talented mm-hmm. again this chapter is just another epitome of their work and they're able to convey emotion their ability to convey themes and story and character and to show that not everything is as surface level as we think because think back to season one Bella we probably never would have imagined her in the position that she is right now back then I predicted I thought, it really yeah oh nice I, did. I thought she was I just knew, a flat like, evil character I, I saw her outfit yeah and I knew I knew immediately from the way she carried herself that something more was going on there. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the Redcliffe thing or Apostle Seven. I didn't, you know, obviously not that part, but I I did predict that some like she was modeling herself after someone. Like there was something mm-hmm. more to it. Nice, pretty good. And I will I after this chapter, you know, we it's been kind of implied that apostle seven will end up being the big bad and not the leader but i can genuinely see bella becoming the big bad hmm. for a brief period of time like she becomes the ultimate antagonist and because and not because she's necessarily a bad person but because um as tragic as it is it is you know when she she's a victim she's a victim of abuse and um which is why I want her to have a good ending but I do think it will be very hard for her in the future and I do think it is possible for her to become an antagonist but you Mm. know like a major antagonist but I think through support from people and getting a network of support she will um sort of like not become the antagonist she'll she'll become a hero because when you know when it wouldn't be a very powerful story if we ended up with the abuse victim getting killed in particular if it was because by the if it was by the hand of their abuser or by the hand of someone that should have been their friend Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be a very powerful story in fact it would be a very sickening story so I do hope that Bella gets a happy ending because that would just be immensely powerful for if there are people who have dealt with abuse reading this um it is light at the end of the tunnel but it also has to show a solution to it and i think that the solution that will be presented for bella is uh finding friendship and finding support 
and finding people who care about you because there are obviously people who do care about Bella but it's a question of is she willing to let them in I feel like the dynamic if she and Loon were to team up would be positively perfect yeah they would along with Kim and Will honestly all of them teaming up because two people plus minus Sandman who may not may or may not make it to the end of the month um um, I feel like it would just be very very cool to see because they're all so different they have such diverse backgrounds and that would just be very interesting yeah but we are going to have Jordan Lauren as Loon we'll have Kim and will as soleil and then we'll have darcy and bella as a as a tool that would be awesome all right well thank you so 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 much for joining me this was an amazing episode as always to cover mm-hmm. and wonderful discussion as as always thank you so much thank you for having thank us yeah uh, these discussions are always so fun and i love recording these podcasts yeah me too. Yeah, same here mm-hmm. so all many right. theories what else what? There were so many theories and so many observations in this episode. Mm-hmm. It was packed with details. Yeah, it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful thank night. You. I will see y'all soon. Yeah, night. sleep well. Night, thanks. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Lipris, Alley Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuckles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Stephanie. Your support is truly appreciated.